This episode of the Supply Chain Brain Podcast is supported by Esker, a provider of document automation and order management software solutions that help businesses to cut costs and increase efficiencies. Be sure and stick around after the discussion for a look at the company. But now, on to the podcast. Some of the most basic business processes are still done manually and laboriously. Hi, everybody. I'm Bob Bowman, Managing Editor of Supply Chain Brain, and this is the Supply Chain Brain Podcast. could be more basic than order processing? Order entry, accounts receivable, accounts payable, these lie at the very bedrock of every business venture. And because they relate so directly to money flowing into the company, you would think they'd be the very first candidates for streamlining and automation. Apparently, though, that's not always the case. Many companies remain mired in manual processes, unable to efficiently receive orders arriving by way of a variety of formats, including email, fax, and electronic data interchange. So why have businesses neglected to address these crucial pieces of their operations? Why do they resist automation? Today we'll get answers from my guest, Sarah Joyner, account executive with Esker. She'll explain why manual intervention is still the order of the day for many businesses, which processes are most ripe for automation, and how digital transformation can impact the bottom line. It's time to throw away the paper and the spreadsheets. Here is my conversation with Sarah Joyner. Sarah Joyner, welcome to the program. Good morning, Bob, or afternoon, I suppose, in podcast land, time is irrelevant. Exactly. It's 24 hours a day in podcast land. Um, (laughs) Sarah, our topic today is order processing, which is really the basic blocking and tackling of any company. It's the very heart of a company's success in attracting and retaining customers. And yet, it doesn't happen smoothly in a lot of companies. And I'm wondering if you tell me, where do you see the gaps in order processing, which should be a seamless process, but is not. Most of the issues come from the position of the company, the organization accepting the purchase order. You want to be easy to work with for your customers. So customers might send you orders via fax. They might want to set up EDI transactions. They might want to send your order in the body of an email. Since there's no regulated, easy, one-way to send orders and you want to be easy to do business with, it's very difficult to force or ask your customers to change the way they're doing business in order to make your supply chain more seamless. What is this fax of which you speak? I don't believe that. I'm familiar (laughs) with that term. Uh, Oh, my goodness. Customers themselves, they're still kind of in the dark ages with, and, and with regard to the way that they send you purchase orders. That sounds like a huge problem right up front. Yeah, 
And if you consider your supply chain beginning when that request for materials or purchase requisition is made, getting visibility into those orders is so difficult considering they're coming from all these different methods. And now you can add in web portals, e-commerce sites, and the list just keeps expanding. Yeah, we're definitely going to talk about the e-commerce part in a moment. Um, Then there's the other end of the process, and that is accounts receivable. There again, you would think, boy, that's something a company would really want to focus on because that's the money coming in. That's the whole reason for their being. And yet again, we see discontinuities. We see inefficiencies. What's going on there in the AR area? Accounts receivable, forgive my flippantness, but cracks me up because they are one of the most behind-the-times departments in most organizations. Most AR departments I'm talking to are relying on printed aging reports, post-it notes, calendar notes, in Uh order to keep track of their collections process. And when studies are done, many of them come back saying that credit and collections folks are spending up to a third of their day simply determining which tasks to follow up on and which accounts to get in touch with and researching. When all that information for every other department, such as sales with a CRM or the supply chain, has their own little solution that makes it work. CRM, Customer Relationship Management. So as if all that weren't enough, we're in the age of the omni-channel. How has the omni-channel helped or hindered or complicated these issues that we're talking about here? Well, once again, we talk about, well, let's start with EDI transactions. When you're looking at EDI standards, just saying that phrase makes folks in technology giggle a little bit because there is no standardized process even in the omni-channel in order to conduct business-to-business communications. Well, there are standardized document formats in a way. I mean, there are more than one set of standardized document (laughs) formats, but at least you have nominal standards in that area, but you're saying there aren't standards beyond that for processes that go beyond just the filing of documents? Oh, I wish. No, I'm talking about EDI transactions as a whole. With the different segments you have in an EDI file, Different organizations use different naming segments for different items. So every time you set up a customer on an EDI channel, you are actually having to do an individual IT project just to set up one customer. Onboarding can take up to two, three months. And I've had customers that have wait lists to onboard EDI customers for over a year. That is amazing. Not to mention the fact that EDI is not inherently real-time. It involves batch processing and involves delays in the transfer of documents, too. So that just makes things even more complicated once you've got it set up, right? Yeah, I've talked to customers. The biggest number I ever heard was that 70% of all their EDI orders still needed manual intervention of some sort. So it gets pretty complex really quick, even after you've done all the onboarding and setup required to make those transactions complete. So it sounds like Excel spreadsheets are probably not going out of business anytime soon. Would that be fair to say? <laughs> that is so true. <laughs> and we're th- and I guess companies, th- uh, th- they tend to throw people at the problem too. They probably have 
heavily staffed departments to take care of this stuff on a manual basis, I would think. You do. And with the growth in manufacturing that we're seeing right now, uh, oftentimes organizations are bringing in temp workers, pulling from other departments. I had one organization in the plastic injection molding space that had to, even with their existing workforce, they didn't realize the customer experience and customer service pieces that were missing from their customer service team. Throwing people at the problem is very common. Unfortunately, managers have to fight for that extra headcount. And what you find is employee engagement goes down because they're so overworked and they feel like they have so much on their plate. And with order, whether it's the order entry, order management world, or in accounts receivable, a lot of these people are problem solvers, these employees, and they like working on problems and working with customers. However, when their head's down in data entry or research, they don't feel like they're engaging with their customers, and so they tend to have a lower job satisfaction rate. So if you want to improve employee engagement and also to decrease turnover, you've got to remove some of those non-value-added tasks from your employees' desks. You don't hire them because they can key in an order really fast. (laughs) You hire them because of their abilities and skills. Now, you see a variety of different industries in your work as your customers. Can you say or generalize the degree of progress or lack of progress by industry? Are some of them more advanced and some less advanced, or is this just an across-the-board problem? I wish I could say it was industry-specific. Certain industries with more regulations, such as med device, as well as chemical manufacturing and distribution, those organizations tend to be pushed due to compliance issues. And they tend to change more quickly and accept automation. So what needs to be automated? Let's kind of drill down to the specific processes and, and, and kind of seek the beginnings of a solution to this horrible problem that still exists in so many companies. <laughs> Where are the processes that are most ripe for automation? There's two pieces that I think have very quick impact to organizations and can help kickstart digital transformation. We touched on both of them, one being order management and the other being credit and collections management. What form would that take? One thing to just say automate is a pretty general term, but what exactly (laughs) is being automated? What are you taking out of the hands of a human being and putting into a system that makes it theoretically at least run more smoothly? Well, if you start out with order management, one of the first problems you have, the first problem you have in your supply chain is visibility into orders when they arrive in-house. You have orders coming through multiple channels, either being pulled down from portals, coming in via fax, through email. They may be coming to a salesperson's email box, a customer services email box, an orders email box. And the organization doesn't know where these orders are, nor do they know uh, the priority of these orders. So without that visibility, you put yourself right in the beginning in a rush to catch up to your supply chain. So with your orders, 
if you could immediately, as soon as the customer releases it to your organization, have visibility into who the customer is, whether or not it's a rush order, what the dollar value of the order is, where it's going to be shipped to, some basic header level information on an order. You can kick off your supply chain with a very, very comfortable push as opposed to a stall. But can you do that despite the fact that it's coming into you in so many different ways? As you said, fax, email, uh, manual automated. I mean, can an automated system kind of corral all those different inputs in an efficient way? Five years ago, I would have said we can handle a couple of those different transports. Today, with the advances in both artificial intelligence right around five years ago and then the machine learning that really kicked in about two or three years ago, we've been able to take data from so many different sources, whether it's an Excel file, an image file, a text-based file, Oh my gosh, an HT, I have customers receiving HTML files for orders. <laughs> so being able to parse that data and also with the machine learning, being able to intelligently figure out where the information on that document lies, there is a better way. I was wondering how long this conversation would go before the words AI and machine learning popped up, and here they are, <laughs> in fact. So so they, too, those things are actually of value in this basic type of thing, so even even in accounts receivable, which is sort of a kind of – I don't I hate to hesitate to call it a dumb process, but it really is just basically like what is owed and how old are the invoices and the like. You're saying that sophisticated AI or machine learning can step in and help on that front, too. Machine learning is not necessary in accounts receivable. You're correct. It's not nearly as complicated as the order management world is. What you're looking at is, however, setting up rules, but being able to set up rules and reminders and creating tasks automatically as opposed to having to figure it out based on an aging report and maybe some emails you have. Being able to set up rules and tasks and being able to set that up as the business side as opposed to having to rely on IT resources and get on the IT project board can be such a struggle. Okay, so given the cost of the systems as they now exist, if you could even call them systems, and given the promise and the benefits to be realized from automation, why are companies and individuals so resistant to change? I think a lot of the issues stem from not having the correct resources looking into or having a fully developed uh, digital transformation plan. If you're in the manufacturing or distribution world and don't have a digital automation plan in place for your organization, you're already behind. It's important to have a cross-departmental team that's small yet agile enough small enough and agile enough to research different products which departments are having the most struggles and really digging into how to get some quick digital transformation wins to help 
move your company in the direction of an automated world. Well, I guess no matter how appealing the prospect of automation might be and how clear the benefits might be, you're always going to have some pushback from the people who are doing these processes now who either feel their jobs are threatened or they're happy doing what they're doing. As you say, they love problem solving, even though with automation, the problems wouldn't come up in the first place. So I guess it's also a people issue, is it not? It is. Um, we're seeing a natural turnover in the workplace right now anyway, so now is a great time for automation. You do have data entry clerks that love their data entry and enjoy their jobs and have been doing it this way for a long time. We are seeing those people rotate out of the workforce and millennials are replacing them. Millennials are not going to be satisfied with a data entry taking over their job. One of their most important criteria for job satisfaction is feeling like you're making, millennials that is, is feeling like you're making an impact to your organization. And they know that data entry is redundant and unnecessary, that there's a better way. Bring on the kids, right? Yes. <laughs> I also want to make sure to say whenever you're looking at process change, you have to look at change management and how you move information. You start with that quick, agile group for research that is cross-departmental. And then you start bringing in thought leaders in each department, power users. It's an interesting process, and there's definitely do's and don'ts of change management and process automation. And it's a conversation throughout both the research phase of an automation project, as well as right straight on through to implementation. Sarah, tell me a little bit about Esker, uh, history of the company. When did it start and what was it all about for the very beginning? Esker's been around for over 30 years, so we are ancient in terms of a technology company. <laughs> well, maybe we're middle-aged. <laughs> However, we have always dedicated 25% of our staff to research and development. So we've constantly been changing, and that's a good thing because our industry and where we've put our focus is with business-to-business -business communications. And if you can think back 31 years ago, how different this world was. How has Esker evolved over the years in terms of its offering from what it was at the beginning to what it is now? Because companies change in, in line with the changing needs of their customers. How has Esker changed? Well, we've moved from having very strong fax server software that were sitting on big servers with big fax boards and telecom and all sorts of confusing things. And what we noticed was that our organizations, our customers, they were receiving faxes and most of those faxes tend to be around three main processes, and that's order entry, accounts receivable, and accounts payable. Whether you're sending and receiving POs or you're sending and receiving invoices. So as our customers came to us and asked for different routing solutions, we listened and we watched how business-to-business -business communication was changing and how we could make it a little cleaner and help remove some of those manual steps of routing faxes. So we started developing a really robust rules engine in Deliveryware. And 
large customers in the Fortune 500 asked us to develop a process for inbound orders and start extracting data. So we started pulling certain data and pushing it to large ERPs and MRPs. Over the several decades of Esker's existence, you've had to change the solutions in line with changing technology. How do you see the future? What kinds of changes do you see in terms of the solutions you will offer and what your customers want from you in the years ahead? Esker puts a large importance on communication with our existing customers. And a lot of our research and development goes into developing requests for our existing customers. And that has held true since the beginning. With that, the future is really exciting. With the more complex algorithms we've been developing to pull and then utilize recombinant data has been a lot of fun. And the processing power and the ability to harness data more quickly and more accurately to provide better reporting, perhaps better inventory management and demand planning is really exciting. Well, Sarah Joyner, I want to thank you so much for being with us today to talk about some of these basic corporate processes that are so stuck in the past and how to bring them into the future with automation, as well as giving us a little bit of a picture of Esker itself. Thank you very much for being with us today. It's been a pleasure, and it was nice speaking with you again, Bob. Thanks for having me. That was my conversation with Sarah Joyner of Esker, talking about the need to automate order processing. Our thanks to Esker for sponsoring this episode. We're online at www.supplychainbrain.com, where we post a new episode of this podcast for streaming and downloading every Friday. You can also read my Think Tank blog, watch thousands of videos, and access all of our other content, including the digital edition of our magazine. Look for us on Facebook and LinkedIn, and follow us on Twitter, at SCBrain. You can also download or subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. If you have any comments or suggestions on this or any episode, email me at rbowman at supplychainbrain.com. See you next time.